This is episode six. With tea and coffee. If superheroes had nail writers, it's the three mentalists walked into a podcast. Hello. 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 It's episode six. What? Six. Yeah, yes, are we, are we just going straight into this? Yeah, oh, yeah obviously. Okay, obviously. I thought we were going to pause to play the soundbite, but then I realized <laughs> I do that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that doesn't happen here. No, no, I, I understand. It happens in something we call post-production. Which, which you call post-production. We call it hoping Atlas does his f- job. <laughs> no, you guys hate it when I edit you. Yeah. Like, literally, just there. What job? What word could that have been? <laughs> yeah. No one will ever know. It's been a really... We've been, we've been trying really hard to get together to record episode six and make it happen in november but it just seemed that we're all so busy because we're all out there doing this stuff that we just couldn't get the go together so here we are that's it's, kid's excuse it also sounds very pompous and big-headed no i'm sorry about that but it's just we're just busy not necessarily doing gigs but like having a life and no no i was doing gigs i don't know what you were up to <laughs> i was definitely having a life mr so, jet set Jets. vegas boy yeah yeah, yeah. you went down to my this is a mystery school. Yeah, I went to Jeff McBride's mystery school, and I went to. We can't. We can't leave that. <laughs> we can't. We can't leave, can't leave it. In. That was the best bit. That was oh, hilarious. Man. I'm okay. <laughs> and I get a final call. Oh no! Oh, sprinkle the whistle dust. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I went to my mission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, it was the, the, the woozle dust got in my, my throat. Oh, that's very nice. So, so how was it? A week from now, when we're at a gig going, oh, I feel rough. We know exactly <laughs> where it happened. <laughs> it's all evidence right here. There you go. That's good. So, yes, my invention was, it was my first ever time in Vegas, and obviously that means also my first ever mindvention, which was really enjoyable. It was really good to meet some people who you've heard of, read their books, read their material, and you get to see them actually doing their stuff, or even just meet them in real life. So one of the highlights for me was meeting Ken Weber of Maximum Entertainment. Probably the nicest guy I've ever met. Yeah, he's lovely, isn't he? He's a really, really lovely bloke. Yeah, lovely guy. So uh, who else was on? Who was lecturing? Who was performing? Uh, so we had Asi Wind was an absolute highlight for me. Max Maven was the guest of honour. And You said he was really nice in real life. He's a, re- was, honestly, a real good thing to hear. Because yeah. I've always thought that um, he'd be a fascinating... Person. Yeah, he he is really nice, and when he's not being the whole Max character, when he's yeah, yeah, stage, no, I heard he's he's perform on you know in character, and then but being but just sitting around, happens, sitting around yeah. having a coffee and stuff, absolutely just great guy, really sharing, really giving, and all that sort of stuff. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you have breakfast with him? I did have breakfast with Max. I maybe. heard you did. Yeah, yeah me it was too. fun. It was fun. So that was good. Um, Harvey Berg was on. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Berg was on, Lee Earl was there, and he was... I love like, Lee Earl. Oh Lee Earl God. is Syzygy amazing. changed my life. Like, yeah. Syzygy and mine. And mine. Yeah. Yeah. Lee Earl, I genuinely feel like, without Lee Earl, there would have been no Darren Brown. I see I see Darren's fingerprints, or Lee's fingerprints all over Darren's work. Absolutely. And then, without Darren, obviously, there would have been a lot less but it's, beca- it's there, because yeah. and what I didn't realise is from talking to Lee I talked to him about some of the routines that I've been inspired by from the Syzygy I said oh do you remember that routine I can't remember who created it it was this that and the other he said, what I didn't realise is how much of the, root, the material in Syzygy actually was created by Leo but it was inspired by an initial crux of an idea from somebody else sent in from it yes. right. so, so people generally weren't submitting full ideas those routines you read in Syzygy weren't the way they were submitted they were like I've got this cool idea and then they weren't really a routine they weren't really published uh, yeah, and Lee transformed them and made them what they are. So I, I know he was. I know he was phenomenal. a massive editor of yeah. uh, of Syzygy. I phenomenal. mean, like with Jay Christopher and some other effects that got done. Um, there was a lot of editing that happened. So phenomenal. 
Yeah, so it was it was really good to to get to meet him and who else was I'm trying to think who else on it. Assy Wind was phenomenal. I worked with a really interesting uh, two person telepathy act called Tommy Ten and Amelie, who I think they won FISM this year for mentalism, which is the first time in a few years that that's happened. And they were really, really interesting. Great act, and they're currently performing with the illusionists. Is it 18, 1905? Yeah, the old school. The old school one, where it's all like. Old-fashioned Victorian or whatever it is, yeah. So uh, they were really lovely people. Had breakfast with them just to discuss what they were going to do in their act because I was sort of introducing them and stuff. How many breakfasts did you eat? I just, like, every day. I like like a proper American. I had pancakes and all kinds. They're good, aren't they? Um, Actually, in the Palace Station Hotel, they sucked, but everywhere else they were really nice, yes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that impromptu review of the Palace Station Hotel. <laughs> it was it was one of the worst places. <laughs> to be fair, it is a dive. It's, it's horrendous. It? It's but do you know what it is? I think it's one of those those events where it definitely the Palace Station Hotel's not being so good doesn't affect the event at all actually because their facilities for hosting such an event as my invention are very very good it's right out the way if you've not been to my invention we really should be supporting that it's one of the sort of pioneering events of our craft without a doubt whether you like the presenters who are going to be there or not so it's really an honour to be as part of that lineup. I think conventions like this are very interesting to attend (laughs) just because of the people that you get to meet more so than anything when I I went to uh, Michael Murray's Two Minds yep um, and I've gone to both of them, and I, I thought I thought they were both quite good. But uh, I got to meet Mark Paul, yeah. who was oh just the best, the yep. best guy. Yep. Um, fascinating. And and actually, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I'm going to think veer into the conversation yeah, yeah, now. Please, go right in. But um, we were talking about uh, some of the coolest things that we've run into in the last little while. And Mark Paul's Penguin Lecture was bar none the best lecture. I've seen, and, and the reason for, I, I've, watched, I've watched a bunch of lectures in the last few years, and I've never really looked at something and said, I need to do that in my show. I'm going to take this and do this. Right. Mark's material, there were two bits that yeah. were absolutely, first of all, they fooled me. Yep. I felt like I knew where something was going or what was happening, and I was completely floored and I was completely lost. I think for me, it is the best Pegmore lecturer I've, yeah. I've seen. Of, Far none. Of, by, 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 by without on. without yeah. exception. Yeah. Um, his envelope routine in there was incredible. Holy moly. Yeah. And I'm really cheesed off because I, uh, I had a gig in um, Nottinghamshire. So I went up to Two Minds, which is like a three-day event. Was it two-day or three-day? Two-day. Two-day two event. event. Went up to Two Minds, um, met Mark briefly. Well, there was a pre-drinks thing. Yeah, Michael Murray organized. So, uh, yeah. so was a, there was drinks on the I fire. think I was there three days, which is why I think it was a three-day. Yeah, but it was okay. a two-day event. Uh, went and met Mark. He was lovely. Yeah. Um, thought I was going to see him the next day, but I had a gig that night, so That's I drove right. back he down to Nottinghamshire. Yeah. And when I came back, I'd he missed his lecture. Gig. He went to a gig. Yeah. I, I'd missed it. I'd missed his lecture, and he was gone, so I didn't get to talk to him more. We've, we've emailed since, um, and he's been really great and lovely. But you were telling me today that he's taken that the envelope, envelope thing, thing. Yeah. And he's got another step on it. And then afterwards, and you said it fooled you again. It fooled me again. So even I, I now I have method. to know but what's that? even better now is afterwards it was Mark and Peter Clifford and I just standing around in a corner after Mark's lecture. I think I was helping Mark sell his lecture notes or whatever I was doing. Just probably hanging out. And Peter Clifford came up with one tiny new tiny nuance of switching two things around in the routine. You're about to invent a word there. One tiny nuance. <laughs> one tiny <laughs> nuance. Um, that which switched two elements of that routine around and made it even more ridiculously impossible. So, see, I, I need to talk to Mark about it you again do, yeah. I mean, because I I saw it and I, I was just instantly it's beautiful. It and which was is the other routine you really liked? You liked his he has the, like, um, the his take on the uh, Anaman's AAA uh, phone test. Phone test, yes. And I, I genuinely I could have sworn 
Right. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to give anything away, but no. I could have yeah. sworn that nothing. Do you know what I mean? The, it com- was, the usual compromise that's usually made yeah. was not made, right? Yeah, exactly. And then it, that it wasn't that it didn't happen. And when he opened up the thing and showed it that that was the right one, I was lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he flew out of Brookings twice. Yeah, he was. So that's the best thing you've seen since we last met. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. without by a exception. country mile, by a country mile. What about you, Luke? What's the best thing you've experienced or seen mentalism-wise? Well, you were talking of um, conventions and things like that. The um, Tabula Mentis was on as well whilst you were uh, whilst you was away. Okay, tell me uh, about it. <clears throat> well, that was an interesting one. I, I tend to go down to quite a few of those. Um, I've never been yet, you know, and I keep meaning to go down. I keep saying, well, I'll come and do something. Or I'll yeah, you should get yourself it's, down. It's a really nice venue down there. It's very really intimate, very, yeah. um, very personal, and there's a good range of people. I mean, this time we had on uh, Ian Harvey Stone. Who did an absolutely fantastic lecture on theatre, uh, staging? He's very uh, nice. Did he do like briefly. voice work? Yeah, lots well. of voice very, work. Very it was nice. great. That was to me. That was probably the highlight of the convention. It was really unusual. I didn't want to see it through um, a whole list of methods and new tricks. Yeah. Uh, it was just good, well grounded, thought out. You know, material that you can, uh, sorry ideas that you can go and apply and to apply. your own sort of work. It's fantastic. Um, who else did we have on? We had uh, Luca. He was back with his. Oh, uh, what Luca's like? It? Luca Volpe. Yeah. He did his uh, his lecture. Luke Jamey. He did a lecture as well. And always uh, stellar, isn't he? Oh, you know, he's Just like a beast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Luke's lectures are very much like his performances. They're, they're just as yeah, they're just as precision tuned yeah. um, as, as as his as his shows. And who else was on? Um, I'm trying to think now. There was Luca, Luke, Chris Rawlins was on, and there's another guy as well. I can't for the life of me think who he was. And I remember sat for a, quite a while. No, he'll come back to me. Okay, all right. Yeah. Seriously, I'm like, yeah, who else was it? Dead moment. Okay, apologies for that person. <laughs> I'm sure you're wonderful. So yeah, I must get myself down to that event. I'm sitting here thinking while you guys are talking, what's the best thing I've read or seen or experienced in, in since we uh, since we last spoke. Um, and I really can't think of anything that I've really been seeing. I've been just out there lecturing. I've, I'm really pleased with the response that some of my material has been getting from doing lectures. You know what it's like when you do a lecture. It's so it's a really important thing I think for us to do is to lecture the material that we're doing because it really allows you to examine your material in such minute detail rather than going on and just thinking about the performance, but think, also thinking, hang on, wouldn't that method be different and better for that? And couldn't you add this and that and the other? I think I think there's another reason to do it, and that is that people get to see something that's inanimate in a book come to life and and it, it almost inspires them at times to look at something and say actually this i should be doing this i really liked this right do you know what i mean yeah so, i got that a lot from my routine e1 the, work, the one with the, all the letters yeah. that people talk a lot of people at least one person after each lecture i've done said to me i've already read your book i kind of dismissed that routine i didn't really get it and now i've seen it I'm going to go and get the stuff printed and get it ready to go. Because that's that's exactly what that's exactly right. That's what happens is in print format, someone visualizes something in their own mind. It's like reading a book. You create. It, it. is reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, but not what, like it. What I, I was going to compare reading a book versus seeing a movie. Hmm. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But uh, you carry on with your fancy analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm done with my fancy analogy. <coughs> no, no, a, a lot of the time, though, you visualize something, and it's not quite yeah, what happens, not, isn't it? It's not the real the real deal it's not right. the actual um, performance so when they see someone who's talented whose material fits them right mm. and you know who because they created it mm. exactly i mean i, I actually someone... visualized e1 as being quite good and then when i saw you on your lecture do it <laughs> 
<laughs> I just turned it off. First him. Uh, First thing him. <laughs> I, one of the best things I have seen for a while is uh, I, I got a, I got to pick up actually at my invention to pick up a copy of Epiphanies by Colin McLeod, and that's actually got some really good stuff on it. Now it's quite advanced. Some of it's quite quite dense in terms of the, there's a lot going on with it. It's not simplistic stuff that Colin's coming up with now. Uh, so if you want something that's a bit more advanced, a lot more stuff sort of going on under the under the radar, under the hood, under the hood maybe yeah. Then then I think that's that's worth checking out. I really enjoyed Epiphanies. That was good. Equidistant. I'm equidistant. He's equidistant. Um, you used the word equidistant quite a lot there, didn't you? Three times. Three yeah. times. Are you record? You just wanted to. You just <laughs> wanted to record. You're, you're like, let's hear how a put down sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Put down. I wish you could do that with pies. Put it down. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. This is this is no word of a lie. I I got I um, moved into an area. I didn't know anyone, and I got invited. So Alice is still speaking. What do you think, Luke? I like pies. I like pies. I like pies. Just I was just going to tell you how I won a pie eating contest. You did. Yeah. Genuinely, there were there were like thirty guys that had talked a bunch of smack for ages, and I won a pie eating contest. And but did I just see you come in and don't give up. <laughs> No, 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 no. What, what happened? Genuinely, what happened? <laughs> was I got, I got there. I got to this table. It was a French silk pie, which is like uh, chocolatey mousse pie French with cream. French silk. French silk. Yeah, because apparently you eat French silk. Yeah. Um, and it was in a pie tin, and I sat down at the table. And <coughs> I could see people. That, you know, they they started and they went go, and I sort of watched people for a minute to see what their strategy was. And the problem was they could all eat the pie out of the center, but they could never get to the crusts. So after a second, I thought, all right, I need to flip this pie over and dump the crust out, and then I can just eat it off the tablecloth. Um, so I, I bit the edge of the tin, flipped it with my oh, head. Oh, you not allowed to use your hands? You weren't allowed to use your hands, no. Ah, oh, no, it was, it was yeah, it. sorry. Should have, it's should a pro pie eating tip. I've got it. Yeah, yeah, that's how you eat the pies the best, is with just mouth and tongue and no hands, <laughs> nothing. And that's what she said. But I, uh... Well then, so, uh... What I did was I bit the edge of the tin and flipped it over, but the pie was so heavy that the whole pie just dropped, <laughs> and the, like the whipped cream acted as glue, so like I couldn't get the pie now off the table. The tin is still like everything that just flipped the pie over. So I was like, right, I've got to get rid of this tin somehow. And I thought <laughs> he ate the tin. I thought, no, he ate the tin. <laughs> I thought about it for a second, and I just went and headbutted this pie, like smacked them. <laughs> So the tin buckled, right? And then I could grab the tin and go and throw it to the side with my teeth. And then I started chowing everything down. And everyone else, I mean, their progress was amazing up until that moment. And then they realized, I can't get this out. And then they looked at me and saw that I was absolutely, I killed them in like 40 seconds. I had won this fighting contest. They had talked so much smack. There had been bets for like weeks and I was new to the area and I just slaughtered everyone. So it was, it was um, actually kind of the worst introduction you can get. Because we were like, oh, you're that fat bastard who won the pie contest. <laughs> Quiet time. Mentalism Taboo. It's back. It's Mentalism Taboo, one of our personal favourite. Yeehaw! One of our personal favourite highlights of our podcast. See, why don't you open the podcast with a yeehaw? I'm okay with the yeehaw. Well, you would it's be. It's the woot that's not acceptable. All right, moving on, moving on. So this time, I've written down ten different mentalism gimmicks or tricks or people or books or routines, mentalism-related things. I've handed them over on individual cards to Atlas. He's going to describe them to Looch, and every time, and all he has to do is describe them to Looch without using the name of the creator or the product itself. And then uh, for each one that he gets right, they both get a point. 
You have to do as many as you possibly can in 60 seconds. <clears throat> and your time, gentlemen, starts now. Uh, all right. He sponsored the podcast for a long time. Michael Murray. Okay. He's released a book that has, like, an underwriter and insurance company would only want to take these sorts of things. Uh, Ken Webber? Uh, nope. It, it, uh, no, no. This is still Michael Murray. This is the name of Michael Murray's book. Um, this has oh. to do with the computer thing that you would type numbers into, Pin? and it would give you a, uh, a mathematical equation back. Mm, calculator. Uh, so oh, pass. Okay. Oh, right. Uh, right. The guy that you just mentioned. Is, Michael Murray? Nope. Uh, Ken Webber? Yep. His, his Maximum Entertainment. There you go. One point. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, I'm going to skip that one. That's evil. Okay. <laughs> That's also bad. Right. Um, Ken was saying he was a really nice guy. I took him to breakfast. Max Maven. Okay. He's got an anagram that deals with all the uh, countries in Europe. Continental. Good. Two points. Ten uh, the uh, a guy named Theo. <laughs> Animan. Yep, and he wrote a newsletter called Jinx. Was it Good. Two. Um, there you go. Three points in total. Perfect so job. We both get three points. Don't you we? both get, so three, we both points. get three, three points. Good points. job. Good job. Okay. These were easy. You had some. You had some horrible ones. Want to read, read some of them out? Yeah, some of these were terrible. So like we had it. calculated risk, which was Michael Murray's new. You're book. Almost there with that. Okay. Um, train of thought. Train of thought. Yeah. Lee Earl. Rock paper lies. J D D B R C. Um, Luke of Play the Rose, Lincoln's Best Boon, yeah, Ormond there. McGill, Encyclopedia yeah, of Stage Hypnosis, yeah. and Luke Germay, Three Cheers for the Underrated. I'm not Never saying that these are. One. I'm not Never saying that these aren't great one. books. I'm just saying that to get Luke to say these. The McGill one, you could just say it's the big main book on hypnotism. What's it called? And most yeah, people yeah, would know yeah, the McGill one. But I didn't know that you really do much hypnosis or have that much interest in it, so I didn't. No, wasn't sure. Okay, cool. Move on to the next section. One of the questions we've been getting from a lot of different people, remember you can interact with us, make sure you tweet us at 3Mentalists and you can find us on the Facebook page, 3Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast, make sure you do get in touch, uh, because we do love to hear your questions and we do respond to them as much as we possibly can. One of the big questions we've been getting... I'm going to say, take some time to like us on Facebook. Oh please! I recently saw a non-mentalism related item have a Facebook page, and the next day it went from 17 likes to 600... And 17 likes, something like that. And I just thought, you know what? What's going it's on with a, our listeners? We've got, yeah. we've got nearly 2,000 people listening to every single one of these episodes. You're listening to this episode. Please pop over to Facebook and find the number three mentalists walked into a podcast and just click like. And it makes us feel a little bit of your love for this free podcast that we do. Anyway, one of the questions one of your fellow listeners posed to us was... They're thinking about getting started, making the move from reading the books and sitting and theorizing, writing scripts, and actually making the move into performing and actually getting started. So the question they posed for us was, how did each of us begin our journey into mentalism? How did we actually get started? So not Atlas... begin our journey into mentalism. Performing. Start performing. Start Sorry. Performing. Start actually performing. Yeah, not that whole history, but, but how did you actually start performing? So we'll start with Atlas because... I think because, we'll do a round-robin sort of a thing. And yeah, yeah, because you've got a different perspective because being from America... America. Just as dead. Go free my family. Right, here we go. Uh, so, thanks, by the way, for that ringing endorsement of America. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, so the question is, how, how, did we, how did we start? I had been into mentalism for years, reading books, uh, really started reading uh, Larry Becker and Lee Earl. Um, and got a lot of fun. I mean, I started with, with 13 Steps, like everyone else does, and then moved to Becker and Earl from there. Um, and I just really felt impressed with the importance of entertaining. There's a portion in uh, what Larry Becker says 
I think he's got his his teddy bear. Building building bears. Yeah. And he and he says, I hate that with a bank night routine, you're the jerk. Yes. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not entertaining. It's not good. And he he really created an audience centric approach, yeah. which I thought was really important. Yeah. Um, and Lira was was similar along those paths. Uh, then I moved to, um, you know, once you kind of get a feel for mentalism, then you sort of sample a lot and decide what really fits you. And the things that really impressed me were Max Maven and Leo Boudreau had methods that were functionally invisible where they happen inside the mind. And I felt, that's me. Um, and so uh, then, you know, I, I've sort of worked off from there. But Can as I ask I, you questions about that? Were you interested in those things because they fooled you harder? Maybe than maybe a prop type mentalism piece work. Do you remember watching Maven? Because Maven was the first mentalist I saw, followed by David Burglass. And I remember seeing Maven do a TV piece where he had no props. That he obviously wasn't a magician. Um, he was doing something in his head where it was all verbal. And I thought, holy crap, this is a this is a real ability. This is possibly real. Was that the same for you, or did that was I, that really part of the, the it, game for it, you? It appealed to me, don't get me wrong. I liked that there was no visual compromise, like tearing something up or having someone write something down in a lot of respects. I liked that aspect, but more importantly, it played to my strengths. I've always had a good memory. Um, I've always been you know, quick with arithmetic and things like that. So I felt like it fit. It suited me. It suited my personality. So I, I began to, to move forward from there. And once I really understood who I was and what I liked, and I'd been performing sort of bits and pieces for friends and family and things on the side. But once I really got an identity and a sense of self, I thought, right, I'm going to now, I'm going to, I'm going to take this further because I feel like I have something to offer. So yeah. Um, in the States, there's a, there's a company called Craigslist, yep. and that's, that's where I first put my stuff. I advertised myself for a gig, and I got a gig for New Year's with this um, sign company. And, uh, and just as a point, because people think you have to get into mentalism when you're young. How old were you at the time? Because you didn't start when you were super young, did you? Not particularly. I mean, I'd always liked magic, and I'd, I'd messed around with stuff when I was younger. Um, but I didn't really get into it until I was in college, and I wasn't in college. So this you know, first gig you're talking about on Craigslist? No, no. So uh, right, but I'm saying I wasn't in college when right. I was like 18 through yep, 21. Yep, I, yep. I went to school a few times, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I, I was quite pragmatic. Um, and when I finally graduated from college, I was, I think, 28. Do you know what I mean? Before I worked out what I wanted, but I was so marginalized. Yeah. During college, because it was so busy, I was working full time. I had a family, um, and I was doing school full time. It was eight till midnight. And I thought, I need something that still allows me to be me and, and a fun hobby that I can take with me everywhere. Yeah. And so I went back to magic and then instantly realized mentalism's what I liked. Uh, there was a, a card routine in Blackstone's magic tricks that anyone can do okay. that, was, that was, again, same, so it was the same sort of thing. You think of a card and I work out what it is. Um, and that, you know, that sent me down that path. So um, I'm 37 now. I, is that all? Thanks, Ken. Shit. <laughs> You're like, the weight really puts, really ages you. I didn't say anything about your weight. Yeah. No. Yes, exactly. But, uh, no, I, I probably did, it was about a decade ago, I did the first paid gig, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. But not too far off that. Um, and it was, it was great because I went and I had no idea what to expect. And yeah. this is, I think, is important. And it will give you a nice little tidbit here. It was a mix and mingle, piece of cake gig. Paid pretty well. You were pay you were being paid in cake. No, I, I wouldn't have objected. 
But no, it was, it was an easy, it was an easy, simple. You look gig. genuinely actually confused. They were like, "What is he asking me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. But it was, it was an easy gig. Um, but I didn't feel like that at the time. I was yeah. really nervous with mm-hmm. anticipation. I, was, I went in my suit jacket and I'm literally loaded down <laughs> with like forty different. Yeah, parties. exactly. And I'm just like, I've got, I've got two hours mix and mingle with eighty people. I didn't know this, but if you have, if you have eighty people. <laughs> Two hours, you can do the same three tricks yep. all night long, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I wasn't aware of that, so I, I came fully loaded. Didn't go to more than one pocket, you know, and just sort of did the <laughs> same stuff. Uh, you know, if you have two hours and fourteen people, right. come loaded down because you'll see, you know, you have the same material being repeated, and oftentimes you get clumped around. So I, I think if you're if you're looking at this, saying I'd like to do this, get three tricks as long as you've got a big gig. And not big gig, but enough people at a gig. I would say 30 to 40 people at a gig. You can do the same three tricks all night long. Yeah. Um, and even if people clump around you in a group, just pay attention to who's who's seen what. Right. And then you can do something different. But um, And you can even do the same method but change the theme of it. So I've done yeah. it where one minute you're... <laughs> if, you're doing a, if you're doing a center tear or something right. like that. It could be your first kiss. Yeah. Could, and, then the next, and then the next time you, the, that same person sees it, you're thinking, oh, I'm trying to do that first kiss routine. Hang on, that person's seen it. So uh, think of the, your childhood pet's name. It's a different routine. Hmm. Com- completely, as far as they're concerned. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's, that's a good point. <clears throat> so just remember, you know, the size of the crowd, it makes it really easy. So as long as you're really comfortable... With three pieces that you're confident you can perform really well, yeah. Don't be afraid to go out and do it. And so Craigslist was a great free avenue to start out with. So I got on Craigslist, posted that ad, kept it running, and I started getting more and more gigs. And of course, the other thing here was collecting quotes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Collecting quotes, collecting you know, essentially finding referrals, social proof, yeah, photographs, videos, anything that you can get, and start compiling all that information so if you do want to do this full time yeah and what you find is that over time time just works with you naturally you end it's up it's momentum isn't it it it's is like the more people who see you the more people who get to talk about you yeah. when it's that and, and, I, and I did um, don't be afraid to do charity gigs yeah especially when you're starting out do them for free uh, the people that have money to give to charity are the same kind of people that are going to hire you, in my experience. I'm going to talk about that in a second, about my strategy on, on charity gigs. Oh, That's okay. how I started yeah. out as well. So, I'll, so um, And then, um, you know, it, it just sort of builds from there. Create uh, your, your website, collect material, and, and just realize time is your partner. The thing that I think is possibly the most discouraging thing that people run into is it's not like... McDonald's, where you can't just roll up to the window, order what you want, and that's your future delivered right. to you right then and there. Yeah. It takes some time. It's not fast food. Mm. Um, and so, what also you have to be aware of is if you really want to do this, especially to be able to make that transition as early as you can, be a partner with yourself and your spending habits. Don't go out, put things on credit card. Don't mortgage yourself to the yeah. hill. Don't don't put yourself in a financial situation where when you can finally gener- generate a decent revenue from doing what it is that you love, it's not enough to pay the bills. So be a partner with yourself as you work towards your, your future that you want. Mm. And and I think that that is a massive element that people miss out because they say, oh, I could I could do it, but, you know, essentially, especially if you're a younger person, I think a lot of younger guys getting into magic and mentalism and, and think I'd like to do this, that's probably the biggest, most important key is, you know, you go to the shops, you don't need those shoes, so don't buy them. You don't need the video games, so don't buy it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Don't get yourself into things that you don't particularly need because at some point, 
you're gonna have even the gadgets in mentalism. Are you thinking? I was you know, just gonna yeah. say the you know, same you, you thing. You don't need all that electronic <coughs> stuff. You, people have and people do. I mean, Luch, you were talking earlier on over breakfast today before we before we started recording about how you have started doing a stand-up show. There's no electronics. There's nothing expensive in your show. No, not at all. And the problem is, a lot of people are always constantly chasing that holy grail, that next big thing, what they think's gonna come along. It's almost and they, an addiction. It yeah, is an addiction. And they think it's going to make them a star. It's that, that this, this is the one routine that I need because it's the big thing it's going to do it for me it's going to be the ultimate the only thing that's going to do that is you exactly and, and your and ability to master the existing material you already have that's the thing that's going to do it look at and, and, and have that others. fit within your like Character, I was saying conditions. you know realize what you're comfortable with what your personality is really discover who you are and I think by the way a great way to do that is to listen to uh, that product that we talked about um Conversations with Mind the Ben Cummings one. Yeah. It, it, there are 30 people there. I literally sat down and listened to all of them. And by the end, I was real crystal clear on who I was, what I agreed with, what I disagreed with, and why. There's so many perspectives on that. There and none is. of them are wrong. They're all just the individual people's it's, perspectives. They, they write for themselves. They just, they just give you the whole range of, there's not just that one way of doing this stuff. Okay, so um, are you happy that you've sort of passed on your bit of know-how there? I think so. Mm-hmm. Luch, how did how did you get started doing the gigs? So you you know you got into mentalism. You're already there. You already know some routines and stuff. You know your methods. Well, my my first few um, actual gigs weren't mentalism. They were magic, close up magic. Okay. Um, and that's going back whilst I was at university and college. Um, but the, it was never really. It was the, the money was minimum, yeah. <clears throat> but it was about getting exposure and getting people speaking, just like you said. Because once people talk about you, then it becomes better than any paid advertising that you can get. Um, because word of mouth is literally the best form of advertising possible, I believe. Um, it and it that is. Will, it's someone you trust yeah. telling you, and 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 you know. Yeah. So, like, if you say to me, I mean, what have you said to me about stuff that I should try? Um, it's it's almost like the fa- you know like the videos on Facebook of Star mm. Wars. You send me a Facebook video on Star Wars, and I'm clicking on it, like the Jar Jar Binks one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I watched the full eight minutes, and I was like, yeah, Jar Jar is Sith. Because you're basing that recommendation <laughs> yeah. on the trust that you've got for yeah, the, yeah. the relationship with the person. Yeah. Um, but in terms of mentalism, my first ever gig was up in York. It was a, a corporate gig. It was a, a Christmas party. Yeah. Um, and I got paid. Three, I think it was three hundred fifty pounds. To do two hours, mix and mingle, uh, around about ten tables or so. Um, And it came about through an agency. It came about through an agency. It was local. um, And I'd kind of built up a relationship, i.e. I'd met him at a... um, (laughs) It was like a country show, like a country fair kind of thing. And he was exhibiting and had a few of his acts. It was like a circus kind of thing. They had um, jugglers and Diablo things and there was a magician... Uh, and I said, oh, have you, I do mind reading. And that was it. That, that's how that started. And when it came up to Christmas, that's when I got the book in. That's about building relationships. Building relationships, relationships people, up, yeah. You were I, already exposed to the marketplace. Yes. I think this is an, an, an essential point that you're saying without really calling attention to it. And that is, once you've decided you're going to do this, tell everyone mm. that has ears what it is you do. Be prepared to show them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But so many people think, oh, I'll put it out there like a, like a fish and a hook, and it'll just come to me. It doesn't. No. You have to be t- opening your mouth, telling everyone, mm-hmm. what is it that you do? Oh, I'm a mind reader. Really? What's that like? Oh, let me show you. Right. And then, bang, there's, right. they're, yeah. they're in a position so, to really so testify. Initial, so your initial thing, Luch, was from 
this this person, this this agent got you this inquiry, and then where did it go from there? So somebody gets that first gig. So they might be sitting at home right now or in the car, or wherever you're listening to this, thinking, "Well, I've had my one gig, and now I'm not really sure how the rest of them." Are well, then obviously you. Uh, there's, there's certain things that I I tend to do, and that is one at the end of the night, I will speak to the client to make sure that they are happy. Yes. And then ask them to send a recommendation or a, te- uh, a testimonial through to the agent. That was that was to get him speaking and feedback. Also request photographs, and because you're starting to build a portfolio up of gigs that you've done testimonials photos that kind of thing and that starts to sort of create a snowball effect and that's important especially with the agents right yeah with the agencies i mean that's marketing material for them to use on your behalf yeah but also when you when you go out and you get a direct booking then it's the same thing you try and you want to leave every gig with either a testimonial or some photos or some video or something to prove that you've done that gig um because it just you're creating a a portfolio that then you can use for advertising, for your website, for anything that that can help you promote yourself, your brand, and build your business. And I, I was going to say, I think really early on is really massively important. You get yourself a business card and do as many business card effects as you can because those cards end up in, in ridiculous hands. places. Yeah, you forget. Yeah, but obviously not if you're working with an agency. An agency doesn't want you handing out your own personal information. But for for a private gig that's been booked yeah. privately, yeah, business cards have them on you. Be prepared to give them out, and be prepared to be confident in question asking. Yeah. Oh, what would you charge for this? Or what would you you know do for this? Or are you available? Don't be afraid to really pitch yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Just going back to what Alice said then about if you're going to do an event through an agent, um, use their business cards or use blank business cards. Actually, um, for mine, it's just, a, it's just a little aside, is when I work through agents and event companies, I actually get custom business cards printed because you can get them in such small quantities yeah. now, 50 or whatever. You're going to waste most of 50 maybe, get rid of most of them. Um you're going to get through most of them. But just with the agent, you know, for, represented by, you know, the agent's name. And what you do is you mail the agent two copies of that, and it it sets you apart from everybody else. Yeah. They go, oh, my God, you've got the extreme of getting bespoke custom You're building cards. my business with me because it is their business. Mm. Yeah. It is their business, and they hate when people do what people where they get greedy and you kill the symbiotic relationship that gets which is formed. ridiculous never ever cut an agent out of a relationship well, it's, the, it's the same with the website as well if you have an agent friendly website with yeah. none of your promotional materials mm-hmm. uh, phone numbers contact details on and then literally just have them sent to a specific uh, page what says Lute is represented or Kennedy's represented Atlas is represented by and then have the name of the agent on there That's with right. a link back to their, their site um, it makes happy. them feel safe and secure by using that act which will then promote you in further because they will be recommending you when another client comes along. You're right. They do. You stick out in their minds, and that's the trick with an agent. They've got tons of people to choose from. Yeah. They will pay attention. And most of them are much easier to sell than a mind reader Mm. or a magician. Like somebody comes in and says, "Hey, we want an act," and they go, "Right, a comedian in a band," Mm. and people know what that is. Where if they say mind reader, they've got to sell you. You've got to make it so that it's in their interest to sell you because your fee's good, you're easy to work with, and you're going to look after them. Yeah. That's really important. Uh, any other advice you want to give for people who are just starting out thinking, I want to make that? So you're talking about build relationships with people who can introduce you to clients. Yep. But also, like what Alice says, tell as many people as you can. Yeah. Put your, get yourself and put yourself into the positions where you are advertising yourself just through word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to be clear. Sorry to interrupt. I just was going to clarify that. You might be a baker. Or you might be an accountant. Right. But don't say, I'm an accountant, but I also do this. If you really want to do this, 
If you're passionate, if you're hard, yeah. tell them what your passion is. Yeah. Because because you'll be able to talk passionately about that thing. I'm a mind reader. This is what it is. Isn't it great? Because that's infectious to people. Yeah. Anything else from you, Luch? No, I, just, I think it's it's important that if you decide on where and who you want to perform for, for example, um, the wedding industry, let's say, because yeah. just cause that's one of the, the areas that I work in quite a lot, um, is to go to wedding venues. You know, speak to the wedding planners, speak to the organisers, tell them what you do, ask to leave promotional material, um, give them a demonstration, go for a coffee, have a meeting with them, you know, talk to the owners of the venues and how you can help them. Because it's not about um, how you can help me become a mind reader and build my business. This is what I can actually do for you. To add value. Yeah, yeah and, and, and what he's saying is, is really, really important here. I'm going to say it again in a nutshell. It's not just opening your mouth and saying, here I am, here's what I do. It's targeted... So you're, you're finding the people that need to know about you and telling them yeah, as well. There's no, there's no point in telling a stay-at-home single mum about your wedding services. Yeah. Because that's going to fall on deaf ears. Exactly. So one of the things, if it's, are you done? If I can tell everyone to share my little thing, unless you've got anything more you need to say about that? Yeah. Are you happy? So um, one of the things that I, the way that I began was going to lots of networking events. And I don't just mean the BNIs of this world, I, I mean, which, which are fine and they're very successful. You, I've had some great success from those things and building a brand and getting lots of gigs to give me the kind of gigs that I wanted. But that will often result as I learned, in charitable events, which is the thing you mentioned before, Atlas. So before we get to this, because yeah. I agree with, with a lot of what you're about to say, but what was your first gig, and how did you really get into it? My very first gig was for a charity, and I was... Um, I'm trying to think, how did I know the woman who was in charge of the charity? Um, I really don't know. I probably went to some kind of networking event, Okay. Like like an open day for one of these kind of businesses meeting. So you thought, decided, I'm going to do this full time. I need to find I need people. to go and find my first client. And that's where, okay. So off I went to a networking event. They all have open days. Or free. You can go have one, one for free. And what we do is fascinating. Everybody else who stands up at those networking events is an accountant, is a lawyer, is a leaflet distribution company, a graphic designer. Boring, boring stuff they hear every day. That people meet every day of their lives. Most people have not met a mentalist, a mind reader, whatever the heck you call yourself. So when you stand up and either do a demonstration or are able to tell people in a fascinating, engaging way what you do, suddenly you're going to get fascination and you're going to get engagement. And what I found very quickly, in fact, the end of my very first one, there was a lady from a charity, a children's cancer charity, came to me and said, we are having this event, but we don't have any budget. We can tell from the way you speak that you're probably quite expensive. We just don't have any money. So this is a big this is a big lesson. And I always share this with people, my friends who ask me about how to get gigs. What you want to do, whenever you are going to do an event in preparation for when you really launch yourself at what your fee wants to be. So say you want your fee to be, let's just pick a number, £1,000 for whatever it is you're doing, right? Anything less than £1,000, I don't see that as a gig. All right. I would not see anything less than your rate card fee as a gig. I would see that as a marketing or relationship building opportunity. That's all it is. Anything less, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a list. I'm going to take a sheet of paper and make a list of people who I could perform for in order to get exposure in front of the right kinds of people who will be in attendance. And secondly, I'm going to get stage times to, to perfect my character, personality, materials, run it all in, test stuff out. But I'm only going to perform those things, and this is really important, that you only perform it for people who cannot afford your real fee. Because you do not want to bastardize 
your actual market. Yeah. So you don't want to go to Yahoo and say, hey, I'm just learning. So rather than two and a half thousand pounds on my show, I'll do it for you for 200 pounds because I'm just learning. Why? Because Yahoo can afford your two and a half thousand pound fee. So you want to go and that does two things. One, that means you don't bastardize your product. But secondly, it does a really nice thing, and that is it allows audiences who otherwise would not be able to afford your kind of act to experience it. And you you actually end up giving back. So you get something out of it, but you're also doing it from a place of giving back first. I, I think that's really, really great advice. The only things that I would add to this are two twofold. One, if you're going to make a concession, it's any standard negotiation, attach a condition to a concession. If I'm going to do this for cheaper... I need X amount of photography, so, photographs, right. or I so, need... So this, this is what I was meaning by, uh, by seeing it as a marketing opportunity. Actually, you're going to get, if your fee's £1,000, for example, mm. that's the number we are tossing around before, you still need, as a performer, to get £1,000 worth of value from it. Yes. So if you're going to perform, if they can only afford £200, they, they need to give you an exchange of £800 worth of something. Is that going to be publicity in the room? Is that going to be publicity on all the marketing materials? flyers? Is it yeah. going to be on, how else, are they going to give you photographs afterwards? You know, photographs of you on a really nice looking stage are worth more, They're, way more than 800 it's, pounds. It's like what I was saying before, collect your social proof. Everything should be social proof that you're that you're. And at the beginning, at the beginning, if you were trying to tout your two and a half thousand pound, five thousand, whatever your fee is, trying to get photographs of those, just so you can get photographs, you're going to get a higher level of resistance. Whereas if you go to a charity and say, "Hey, what 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 would you be your budget for me to come along at your charity annual dinner when you when you're going to have everybody in the room? I'll come perform. You know, what what would be your budget? And if they say it's two hundred pounds, five, you might be surprised sometimes. I've done charity events where I get my full fee, and that's fine as well. Just different charities work in different ways. But when you when they come back to you with anything sub your full fee, you say, "Okay, well, my normal rate is whatever your rate is. How can I?" Really cash in terms of what you can pay me is only this amount what what is it we're able to to negotiate here can i get some great photographs that i can use to publicize myself which is one of the things you want to do early on which is why these charity events and also things like uh, rotary groups and uh, all these kind yeah. of things are which, is, which is another type of charity yeah the, the the masons things like that but there's an important thing that i, I don't want to gloss over here and then i'll get to the second point i was going to make um just because they've agreed to give you photographs, this is now your payment. Do not leave it to someone else. Contact your photographer, insist on knowing who they are, insist on talking to them beforehand, and insist on going through your show with them so that they know the moments that you really want to capture. Right, you know, at this moment there will be this line and then Bang, I want as many photos as I can of this reaction. And tell them where to be photographing. Because for some of my routines, yeah. I want to photograph me because I'm doing something interesting. But most of the time, I want photographs of the audience. Mm -hmm. If you don't pre-brief your photographer, they're going to take photos of you all the time. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's the really important thing. You can, you can go and believe that you've made this great deal and everything's going to be great. And then your photo comes back. And it's Sucks. just, yeah, it's garbage. It's all, yeah. The other big thing to think about with charity events is, do you choose them carefully? Because you could be the busiest guy or girl in the world only doing stuff for free or for cheap. And you want to make sure that the people you're performing in front of are predisposed, i.e. able to, offer you paid gigs. So, yeah. for, for example, there's a charity that I still do gigs for now because I, one, really believe and support the charity. I think it's, it's wonderful. Uh, but secondly, I know the people that in that room give me gigs 
year after year after year because they're lawyers and construction people. They have the budgets to do that. I'm in front of their new people because these industries have fast turnover turnover of staff. I'm in front of their new buyers, their new people every single year because I'm at this event giving back. And uh, but again, getting to this second point, which I think is also important. You talk about going to these networking meetings. There's a right way to work these networking meetings. You don't just give out your card. Collect as many cards as possible. Save those email addresses. Comprise a list. And then periodically contact these people and remind them that you exist. And there's a right way and a wrong way of doing that. Make sure you're not doing any spamming. Please don't take all their details and then email them every day saying, Hire me, hire me, hire me. You're going to quickly become... No, I send send an email maybe once every four to six months. And And it's during... You know, uh, uh, roughly ahead of periods that I know it's about time for them to start looking for, uh, you know, an act for this or an act for that. Right, absolutely. So there's three very distinct strategies of how each of us got started. Hopefully, for everybody listening, you will personally be able to take at least one of those strategies and maybe all three of them. Combine the three of them and you really are off to a really good start with getting out there, performing this stuff. Because remember, you're not a mentalist. If nobody knows you're a mentalist, unless you're performing it, mentalism is the kind of thing you can't rehearse to a certain degree. Yeah. You have to get out there and do it with people. Until you do that, you are not a mental- mentalist yet. And we'd love to see more people doing that and doing it really well. And, and, I, and I think everyone's capable of doing it. This is one of the things that makes me sad is when I see so many people who would love to and who could potentially be talented to do this, but they never give themselves a shot. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> Back by popular demand, we've got the uh, the mentalism game show. I'm going to ask some questions to Luch about Atlas. So his job is to work out what he believes Atlas will say as his answer. So okay. there are three questions this time in the yeah. interest of brevity. Question number one, Atlas, uh, about Atlas. Yeah. What is Atlas's favorite prop? He's famous for his propless mentalism, but yeah. what's his favorite prop? Beef burger. Burger. You have to try and get a match, remember. What do you think he's going to say? Right. His favourite mentalism prop. You can still go with beef burger. Okay. <laughs> or he um, might call it a hamburger. I know. So right now I'm going through um, what he does in his show. Yeah. From what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this like something like a gimmick you can make or buy it's, or it's, make? It's, it's got to be a physical thing. It's famous for his propless thing. I was thinking, what's going to be his favourite prop? Um, I'm going to ask him that question. I'll say, Atlas, what is your favourite prop? What will you say? Let's go with his because he in the previous podcast he's talked about nail writing and how good he is. Right. So let's talk about let's see nail writing. Nail writing. Okay, yeah. good. So we're looking for nail writer is the first one. Okay, making a making a little note here. Nail writer. Good. Okay. Um, question number two: Who is Atlas's favorite mentalist ever? His favorite hard, mentalist. Ooh, who has he talked about? I think he'll probably say Leal. He'll say He goes on about Leal all the time. He does, yeah. Okay. Uh, question number three. So we've got Nail Writer Leal. Question number three. I'm really proud of this one. Okay. If Atlas could have invented one thing in mentalism that he didn't, yep. what would it have been? If he thinks, um, damn, I wish I'd invented that, what would it have been? Um, hmm. What's he really like? a tough one, isn't it? You think it's all the things. Very tough. I'm thinking like you know a peak or the center or something right, like right, that. Yeah. But he, he loves his El Numero, doesn't right. he? he yeah, always, he does. He always he does starts like that. with that. So I'm, I'm going to say El Numero. 
Okay, El Numero. So we've got the nail writer, Leal, and El Numero. Let's invite Atlas back in. Find okay. out if your quest, if your answers matches. Okay. Okay, Atlas is back in the room. I asked three questions to Luch, and remember, he's tried to guess what he thinks you will say. So it's not necessarily the truth, but what you think Luch would say. The first question I asked Luch was, you're famous for your propless mentalism, but what is Atlas's favourite prop that you own? Okay, first What's of all, I've got, to, I've got to take issue with the idea that I'm famous with anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Um... Favorite prop that I own. The question I asked him was, "What is Atlas's favorite prop?" I didn't say when it when I like you were. Okay. 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 So favorite prop. I, I went with the what fact you? What, you, what you owned. Okay. No more question. No more. No more input from you, Luke. Thank you. I'm sorry. Naughty. Hmm. Ooh, Got to think of the props that I own that I use and that Luke will have seen me using. It's going to be your favorite one. What do you think your favorite prop is? This this silence is really good. Right, right. No, I, I know. Sorry. Uh, instantly, if I if I if I go straight from the gut, I think Luch will. Pro- see, and this is is it. It's not necessarily what I th- think, but what I think. Give us your Luch answer as well. But what do you think? What, what, what is your answer? I think I think Luch will have said, the Mindbuster. Well, I've come. What was your answer? What is the truth? Though? The real dice. It's neither. No. He oh, went really? for the nail writer. There you go. That's interesting, isn't it? You thought the 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 the, the, the mind buster. Okay. The well, si- I remember when we did that desert island thing. Yes. He said that he'd take his nail take rider. rider. Yeah, no, that's true. Mm. But that was mostly so I could practice and get better with it. Um, uh, and I do use nail writing in, in routines. Right. But the second question I asked Luch about you is: I said, "Who is Atlas's favorite mentalist ever?" Ooh, my favorite mentalist ever is probably the Earl. All right, final question. This is the one I'm most proud of. If Atlas could have invented one thing in mentalism that he hasn't, what would it be? Oh, I think Luch is going to say the branching anagram because he knows I didn't invent it. But then his face doesn't look like that's what he said at all. So I didn't, I didn't really mean that as an answer. <laughs> I like uh, reading facial expressions. <laughs> it's like deduction. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Almost like I've... Right, okay, so if there was any one plot or any effect... The question was this. The question was this. That's not giving any more clues. If Atlas could have invented one thing in mentalism that he hasn't, what would it be? That was interesting because I thought the same thing then, that, that question. Do I go with a, a trick or do I go with a, a plot? Right, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I didn't really know mm-hmm. because obviously you're based on just yeah. what you wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can invent one thing that I haven't. Dang, that's a really tough question, Ken. It's a very good question. Yeah, what would your answer have been, Ken? Well, I think over mine. Why you think of yours? I think if you could have invented one thing, you would have invented. No, no, some... you personally, what would you have liked to have invented? What would I would have liked to have invented? Yeah. I wish I had invented. Oh, that's really that's a really good. I think probably Cassidy's name place, which is obviously an extension of a, an Animan thing. So the the Animan two bullet test, I think. <sighs> what would I have invented? I think. Ah, oh, gosh, dude, this is like the worst question of all time. <laughs> I think I would have had to invent. The idea of switching a billet. What do you think Luch said? I wasn't very confident on this one, to be fair. No, no, no. It's a hard question. No, no. It's a ridiculously hard question. Um, I'll give you... It's a routine slash trick or something. Like that. 
Theo and Cassidy walk into a bar in Austin. I would have Said liked to invent that. No, honestly, that's that's my final answer. I would have liked to invent that. It handles the reason you do the thing that you do that I've always had an issue with. The whole thing is, is perfection. Bless and it, No, it, it makes me sad to say it because you're such a tool to me. <laughs> um, His answer was El Numero. Oh, I love that routine, but I feel like I didn't have to invent the methodology because my presentation is so much better than the method. So you got one out of three. Not bad going off on such tough questions. I'm going to leave the yeah, room Yeah, but to now. be fair, that Lee Earl, there's millions Leo, of people to choose on, from. Bang on. Well bang done, on. Good one. Very open-ended. Okay, cool. I'm going to leave the room. Okay. And uh, we're going to, in a second, come back and play this game. Round two. Where I will be asking Atlas questions about you. Oh. Right, so I got... Um, the solution was released. Uh, this month did quite well so far good feedback everything's doing well great uh, great moment for me personally as I get an email now whenever whenever you release something there's an email that comes along every once in a while and the solution is a printed physical book I'm done with ebooks yeah um, thanks to the EU but also <laughs> you know there's, there's other decision other factors in that decision anyway I get an email from this guy, and he says, "Hey, so there must be people like me who would like an ebook copy of it. So I was wondering if I can get a copy, and I will make it into an ebook for you, so that you can sell it like that too. You see, I'm in America, and I don't like to ship things from the UK, so it's a win-win <laughs> for both of us. So that made me laugh because, first of all." His understanding of the process of taking a book. I love that he thinks that I've written the book or set the typeface myself as I wrote the book. And there are images and pictures. Clearly the book is in a PDF format already. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, love, I love this. And I, and I got this. And essentially he's just angling for a free copy of the book. Yeah. Um, and then it is being shipped from the U.S. So, And I've made that clear. So it's, it's sort of a, a pointless exchange here. But normally I just ignore something like this. But today I was feeling a little bit feisty. So, did, he, did he say it was part of his high school project to do some scanning <laughs> and converting? Well, I was hoping he would explain scanning tech to me. So here's what I said. I said, hi there. That's an interesting idea. Where are you located specifically? And how would you get the book from paper into ebook? I'm not sure how that would work. I liked the <laughs> pictures in the book too. How would you put those in? <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I sort of, I'm sort of expecting him to explain scanner technology to me. He comes back to me and says, I'm in California, USA. And this is the best part. This is what took me completely by surprise. I'm a graphic designer. So I'd be able to design each one and put it in. I would actually type each in word as it is in the book. And I type 105 words per minute. So it 105. would 105? 105. So it wouldn't be as hard as it looks. So here's a graphic designer that doesn't understand PDF layout and graphic yeah. design for yeah. four books. And um, he's offering you know, a lot of work to trade this thing. So I, I say to him, and you know, at this point, he's clearly not understood my... The, uh, my, the sarcasm. Yeah, that I'm just having a bit of fun and just having a laugh. Um, so I've got to pull the ripcord on this exchange. So I say, hi there. I've had a similar offer from someone who can type... 140 words per minute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and can also transfer the pictures directly from the book somehow. I think I'm going to work with them instead. Thanks for the offer, though. Um, and I sign. 
<laughs> and then I get an email. Yeah, yeah, I get an email back from it. And he goes, "All right, but I'm here if you need a backup." <laughs> so I'm. It just, it just made me laugh. I just thought, have you? Is that the first interaction you've had with this guy? Is the yeah, I've heard him? like out of the blue. I don't know how I came across this guy. That's hmm. amazing. So we'd like to say thank you to Peter Nardi for his emails. <laughs> Mentalism taboo. All right, so now got three we have three points guess. each. Luch and I have three points each. We're back to mentalism taboo here, mm-hmm. and Luch is going to read my clues to Ken. Okay, I'm going to just move a little bit back so I don't get to the cards. Okay, and we uh, need to get the, um, the, the, timer? Timer? the timer. The timer. I'll, I'll do the timer. Okay, okay Alex right. is going to do the right. timer. I get 60 it. seconds <laughs> to get as many of these right. There are 10 written down in total, yep. and we both get a point each for everyone that I correctly guess. Yep. So we're All working right. together. Okay. Go team. Tell me when we're ready. Uh, I've got to get the timer set here. You are slow. One minute. Here we go. Ready, steady, go. Okay. So uh, the guy who works with a lot of binary stuff, what you like. Um, uh, uh, Leo Boudreau. Yeah, and it's one of the routines that we talked about in the podcast last month. Um, I don't know the name of routines. Um, The green thing. Uh, No, I'm going to move on from that one. Nope. Uh, Okay, so... um, uh, oh, okay, okay. He's got a beard, and he's known Richard for doing. Uh, he's known for doing things with. Um, oh God, he's really so much material. Everyone knows him. New, old, um, beard. <laughs> Kenton. Yes, main main body of work. Kentonism. Main main body of work. CDs and CDs. Uh, Wonderwoods. Yes. There's one, one point. point okay. Um, uh, one of uh, oh, Leo's friend. Larry Becker. Big book. Uh, Stunners. Plus. Yep, there oh, we go. There's two points. Good. Um, oh, passing. Uh, the Mental Mysteries of Hector Chadwick. There's three points. You're killing it. Uh, God, I'm going to have to. Okay, um, Unreal. Time. Oh, it would have been. I don't get the point, but it's Bruce Bernstein. The and best book in mentalism. We're going to talk about one of his routines, a really famous routine with um, envelopes. You're uh, just determined to get this. Eat Joe's. Eat Joe's, but we're not going to uh, get it. Ah, we would have got it, it. but, so, but that's got excellent. three points. So you have three points. Luch is killing it with it, six. He's killing it. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to fail here. We're getting better at this game, by the way. Yeah. We are getting better. Stand by. So another question that we recently had from one of our listeners was uh, something along the lines of, I don't have the actual question here, but it was, uh, which of each person's routines would we each be most likely to use? Which I thought would make a good, really interesting, interesting conversation. Mm, yeah, so Atlas, which of Lucha's routines do you think you'd be most likely to use? Uh, close up or stage? Uh, just Ooh. in general. That's a good, good question. Maybe maybe one of each. Oh no, that's right. not. That's, okay, that's so for, not too no, no, much. but but for, I have one of each that I do use. So it's okay, a really easy. It. It's a really easy um, answer for me. So close up, I use his uh, coin fabulation routine with yeah. the handling that we came up with. Okay, um, where there's uh, it's it's a nice little hands off bit at the end where you can give the coin to the spectator to spin. Okay. Um, so yes, I do where, use where that. Where was that from? Just in case anybody's thinking. That's, oh, uh, that's that? in the Black Project. Okay. Both of these are in the Black Project. Okay. Um, but I use it. Is that one also on the Penguin Lecture, or is it not that one? No. Do we? Coin, coin Fabulation was on the second Penguin Lecture. Okay. But with with it, the ending that we came up with? I can't honestly remember. Okay, all right. I so can't if, if you watch a co- we were, it, And we were both there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's definitely in the Black Project. Yeah, so but if it, the reference. it is an amazing, hard-hitting... In fact, there's a great... I'll tell you the quick story. I went to one of these networking things. There was, there was a magician there, which yep. really was a bit disappointing. But this magician starts talking to me. I think he told me this. Yeah. Great. It's a great <laughs> he's, story. He's great. He um, starts talking to me, and he, and he 
has, has never met me before, doesn't know who I am, I don't know who he is, it's fine. And when he says, no, I, I don't like mentalism, it's essentially magic with a different spin on it. And I thought to myself, okay, well, there's some truth in that. Um, and he, he does a bunch of really technically competent card slides. Oh, oh, well, I don't like card magic, because essentially it's like coin magic, but with cards. <laughs> <laughs> By that logic, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind. Do you know what I mean? I didn't mind. He does his stuff, and he was very technically competent. He was very, very funny. Um, nice guy, right? So I didn't have a problem. Then he says, uh, you know, we chat for a minute. And I go, would you like me to show you something? And he says, yeah, all right. And I says, have you got a pound? And he, he pulls a pound out of, his, out of his wallet, and he pulls his wallet up, and it was, um, it was perfect because his wallet, his wallet has New York. It's like Statue of Liberty, everything. And I've set my uh, I've set my little wallet on the table there. Okay. Anyway, we go through the coin spin thing. He ends up thinking uh, New York City uh, visits the stat, and he it was the first. I said to him, name some big cities around the world, and he goes New York, and obviously New York was already on the wallet. And I says, okay, so imagine that we take a trip there. So I've on his wallet. Yeah. So I I don't even go past that. I say, okay, so imagine we take a trip to New York City. Name a few of the places you'd like to see. He goes uh, Ground Zero, which I think is kind of. Creepy. Yeah, I, I, anyway. Um, but then, uh, or in Statue of Liberty, and I was like, okay, well, spin a coin, flip a coin on it. So we, we do the coin spin thing. Heads is ground zero, tails is Statue of Liberty. Lands, of course, tails, Statue of Liberty. And then uh, we go through the, the nice little ending that we've come up with for this. And, and I say to him, right, okay. Uh, I wallet's been on the table this entire time. Open it up. There's a single postcard in there. Just unfold that. And he opens it up. And uh, sees the prediction, <laughs> and it's perfect. And he literally, he stops and looks at it for a minute, and he goes, how did you do that? I says, oh, it's just mentalism. It's just magic with a different slant on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that moment. And he texted me for, you know, days after. He's been like, no, seriously, how'd you do that? Um, so, I think that deserves a finish him. Mm. Fisting him! Yes! <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a genuinely, it's a strong, strong piece. Right. Of mentalism, so I do use that, and it it's it, the impromptu nature of it fits perfectly in my set. Love it. Um, and then for stage, I do Luch's. What do we what do we end up calling this? The score, the score, which yeah. is his version of the Bank Night. Yes. that fits perfectly in my show. Is the second thing the I do. Yeah, and that's that's in the Black God, we've Project. We've got a few plugs for the Black Project today. It's sold out. You can't buy it anymore. It's a shame it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> he even said it was. Yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, fun tidbit for the listeners. Sometimes in the um, what, what is it called? The uh, mentalism death match. When you hear the the fighting that happens, like the body blows and stuff. That actually, some of those sounds are from when Luch dropped the Black Project on the table. <laughs> oh, a mind convention. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, remember but it, that. to me, when I was going back, I was like, how am I going to make a body slam sound? And then I, and I, lis- I was listening back and I heard that and I was like, oh, I'll have that. <laughs> that works. Yeah. For me, for me, Lucha stuff, the thing that really stands out, and I keep talking to you about this, and it's not really my kind of thing usually, is using other people's methods for things that I've already got a really ha- a method that I'm happy with. But you, again, it's in the Black Project. Sorry to believe it. It sounds like a pitch, but it's not. This sounds like a really good book. It sounds like a really good book. <laughs> www.theblackproject.co.uk.com. Oh. <laughs> and if you want a free copy of my DVD, Your Thoughts of Mine, just buy it straight from alakazam.co.uk. Because <laughs> Peter Nardi's selling it as well. This turned into a legitimate advertisement, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway um, I really like the headline prediction that you did. 
Oh, the article. The article thing. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. I would genuinely do that. I would absolutely do that. If it wasn't that one, I would. if I wasn't going to use your version, Jim Steinmeier has a really good... Yeah, we're not version. talking about Jim. We're talking <laughs> about <laughs> Luch. All right, all right, Luch. So that would be your... That's what I would use. Jim's book is great, though. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. It's all good. All right, so that's what we'd that that's what we do of Luchas. Like if Luchas a cartoon right now, he'd have like this little angry cloud above his would, head. What I'm saying is, I really yeah. like Lucha, but Jim Starr is better. Well, <laughs> to be fair, let's yeah. move on. Stroke my glass. Okay. All right, let's talk about me or yeah, I'll do me. candy. Okay. Right, so candy's material. What would I use? There's not a lot of close-up stuff, so yours. Um, I, I have to say, okay, I, I understand and appreciate that you're exploring the arena of close-up, um, but your uh, Theo and Cassidy walk into a bar in Austin. There's a lot of great stuff in Baron, but again, to me, and I've said this before, the value of Baron was presentational philosophy. Okay. But the best part of Baron for me, the thing that I could see myself genuinely performing, actually there's two of them. Oh! The one was the... Thing, but the one that I was originally thinking of was uh, Theo and Cassidy walk into a bar in Austin. Which thing? The thing with I don't want to give away the methodology, but with the um, the the picture and then the check. Oh yeah, yeah and the yes. all. But okay. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Dang, <laughs> I'm giving away, man. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. The, the the two per, two yeah, yeah, like back I, night yeah. jumbo stage, the photograph and the check. Yeah, the photograph and the check. Uh, it's got a name. It's called Afraid of Dogs. Afraid, right. Yes. And then we go back to the uh, my faux pas, which will be... Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it out so no one will have any idea. But <laughs> Actually, it's more curious now. Like, what is he talking about? Right, that's fine. Okay. I'll leave it in. Fine, Saves me the editing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the two things you kind of like. Luch, you haven't seen any of my stuff at all, have you? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Absolutely diddly squat. No, you've seen my penguin lecture, I think. Yeah, no, to be fair, um, I, I use occasionally. I thought you were going to say, to be fair, I hated that too. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, occasionally use some of your ideas in Whisper. Ooh, good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. And um, what else? Um, oh, if I had to, I mean, I, I, I mean we're talking like. If, if a like, gun was to my head and my family was going to die if I didn't. If I turned up to a show and, like, you know, I'd been in a car crash and my whole props had been scattered along the road and they were, you know, irrecoverable and I couldn't do anything. Um, it's still a struggle, wouldn't potentially, you? Potentially. No, I'm messing. I, I like E1. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I do like E1. So much so that I did tell you about a little rubber stamp that I made. Do you remember yeah. me telling yes. you about it? Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, 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 it's good. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Cool. All right. So that's the material of mine you would do. Whisper and E1. I do like, I like, your material's yours though, but it's like, when I watch you, it's like you can get away with it because yeah. of your character, like Mr. Golden Balls. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't get away with that. No, most people can't. I'd be like Mr. Grumpy Balls. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you have to but, be a certain kind of character. Yeah, and but, I think you come fair, alive on stage with that kind of stuff. Yeah, but to be fair, like, even with the score, the methodology's yours, the presentation's completely different. Yeah, So definitely. you take you take things and you, you do switch how you perform it. Yeah. Totally, totally. That's what we should all be doing. All right, uh, thank you guys. Let's move on to Atlas. So he's only released Train Tracking, hasn't he? So... Uh... I knew this yeah. moment was coming, and it's no less devastating for me personally. <laughs> no, so. um, what would I do with Atlas? I, um, what, would you do, what would you do with Atlas? Yeah, Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. What tell tell the truth. You were talking earlier about uh, 
Yeah, I'm I'm th- I'm, le- I'm beginning, literally beginning to learn train tracking. So, which was astonishing to me. <laughs> I feel like there's I feel like there's a punchline that I keep waiting for, but then you're like, no, I'm learning it. Yeah. I am, learning it. I am, I am learning it. I began to learn it. I genuinely, I, I got the first track, and I'd so close to got in the second track, and both of them, and then once when I started to learn the third, I struggled and gave up. Okay. Uh, but I would like to. Yeah, you I'd were, like you to were do train it. tracking. Yeah, I was doing. The cars and we, we I was doing around. the first two sections, yeah. weren't I? And then sometimes I could get the word from it. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. I mean, the person who inspired me to do it. I've actually never seen Atlas do train tracking. You Have did. You, you did at the masterclass. The guy's word was flower. You're right. Yeah, I did. I forgot about that. I've actually seen Aaron Calvert do it, and he's the person who inspired me to do it because I thought if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so take that, Aaron. Take that, Aaron. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. He's busy. But moving away from train tracking, I think mm. if I was to do any other any other Atlas material, mm. I really like, and he, he knows that I really like um, comics. So I would probably go for his superhero um, oh, branching anagram yeah. thing. Is that prodigal? I, yeah, it's in the prodigal. I like that. And then my favourite development or modification from that, I think, is uh, when I don't know the name of it, but it's it's the associations of that. What's oh that? yeah, with the um, pizza and things like that. Yeah, yeah. What's the, that one called? Uh, you the, know, I probably named it something, but I've got no. It's in the real thing. Yeah. Right there, you go. The real thing. As well, though, people email you, emailing you say that routine. Can you explain the uh, the moment you do this, the peak in the name of your trick? And you're like, I've no. Idea I'm, I'm what like that control is. F. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know why I name them. Because when you do them, yeah. they don't have a name. It's just yeah. like the thing with the envelope. But yeah, I, I really like that effect as well, and I like the homophone thing that I throw in at the start. Because that's actually not in the real thing. That's only in my Penguin lecture. That's because I, I genuinely perform the material, and one day stumble yeah. on this. Hey, this is a good idea. And then I went into. A, well, that, that's here's a me. funny story that you talked about, Mr. Golden Balls, a second ago on the way back from the Penguin lecture. Because I haven't done Mr. Golden Balls before the Penguin lecture and before doing a few lectures before it, maybe for a year. So I sort of left it, in, you know, to bed. And then on the way back from the Penguin lecture, I came up with a totally different handling of the bag, which I'm now teaching in my current <laughs> lectures. <laughs> 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 so you, you called it Mr. Golden Pauls, and then you found a different way to handle the bag. I'm just, I'm just going to say, Ken, yeah, you don't inspire a lot of confidence that you were talking about a routine there. It's great. It's great. You should call that routine checking for cancer. Oh <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say about the, um, the, the... The effect that we talked about from yours in the, in the real thing is you can see the progression. You can see the development from where it was at the start to how it became something, what I think, I wish more people would look into that because I think the development of it is taking your work on branching anagrams and taking it into a whole different direction. And I know that you've got the train tracking, but I think for th- for me, that is one of my favorite things that you've got. See, I, I, I always said this because that was one of my favorite routines in The Real Thing, and no one ever mentioned it. It just flew under the radar. I'm going to reread that. It sounds really interesting. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our section we call Blowing Smoke Up Each Other's Asses. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you never actually said what yours were. He gave two. Train I said train tracking. Very reluctantly you, and begrudgingly. Train and tracking. Train and tracking. Because two. I'm learning it. That's the one routine I would do because I like the fact it's any word. And um, my big thing I'm really looking forward to doing is I've only ever seen you do it once, but I can, ve- I can ve- barely remember it. But I've seen Aaron do it twice now, two different, very different occasions about six months apart. And... 
I, I'm looking forward to applying my personality to be able to deliver that kind of thing. I'm going I'm to be really interested as to how that works. Have you experienced it? Yes. Atlas has done it on, on you. Oh, not on me. No, do you want to do it now? Well, no, you won't. No, pause it. Then we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I can do it while we're eating too. But I was going to tell you, the thing, we were talking about this, and the thing that I'm most proud of with train tracking is that it's, we were talking about this uh, with creativity and things. Most people come up with different methods to do the same plot. Yeah. I feel like the thing that I like best about train tracking is I, the plot is that you're, it, it's a new plot where I'm telling you what you were thinking for the last hour ostensibly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unique. I like the idea that a mind reader could get in your mind and tell you what you're trying and to do. And go on that was. journey with yeah. you. Absolutely. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, you know what? Just thinking of that, do you remember the story of Hansel and Gretel? Right. Leaving the breadcrumbs. It is that. It reminds me of it that. You're just right. leaving little things and then you can come back and follow your trail. I say and that in so the book. Good. Oh, well. It's specifically... I've not <laughs> read that <Yeah>. book! <laughs> I remember when I first received it, you emailed it to me, and I was like... I emailed new. it to you? I didn't email it to you. you I did. sent you a copy, I'm no, sure. No, you emailed me a, a very early draft of it. Oh, right, okay. Very, very Yeah, early. I was the one doing the emailing of it, the final thing. I sent <laughs> it to maybe three dozen when people. You, when you say email, you mean uploading. <laughs> uploading. I, I, do, I do want to take a moment and say there's no legitimate digital copy of it. No. At, at no, all, so. there were preview copies that you sent to very close yeah, to friends. people. But yeah. you, showed, you showed me, I read it, I thought, this is very clever, it's never going to work. And then I saw you do it, I saw Aaron do it, and I'm a believer, I can leave her if I try. Read the load. So that's the end of that section, I think. We should move on to the next bit, because... Yeah. Alice is getting a big head. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Okay, so Ken has left the room. He's probably recording? yeah, it's recording. He's probably hiding behind that other side of the door, either listening in or you can't. That urinal is so loud. Um, he's hi- he's hiding in the bathroom. He likes to do things, which like. I, I get the sense that it's not the first time. No, I think so. So I have to apologise in advance because my questions, I was struggling to think of them, um, but we'll give them a go. Um, and I will got three questions, Atlas, and they're all for Ken. So, uh, question number one. What's Ken's favourite routine that he himself created? Oh, I think he said... I think he said Theo and Cassidy walk into a barn. No! Sorry, it's the one that he hasn't... Okay, so it depends on if Ken wants you to know about this, but it's either going to be Theo and Cassidy walk into a barn in Austin from Baron, or it's going to be the one where he's got that special reveal and it's the dream thing. Okay, so obviously we can only take one of those answers, but even though you've mentioned both, so which one are you going to go with? I think the if secret he's, one. I think or? he's going to go with the secret one. That's it. I okay. know for a fact that's his favourite. He's right. told me. Okie dokie then. So that's that one, and I'll just make a note of that one. We'll say secret routine. Okay, now I've got it locked away. I know my answers. Here we go. Okay, next so, question. Second question. Um, interesting one, actually, this, I think. If Ken was to be replaced on this podcast, who would he want to replace him? Oh, that is a good question. Let's hear who you would like to uh, have replace you while I think about it. I think you'd choose Roboto. (laughs) Yeah, just just the uh, artificial intelligence. That would be quite cool. I don't know if if I could pick someone to replace me. Oh, I think Ken would choose Mark Paul. Mark Paul, yeah, that's probably a good 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 bet. Okay, so Mark Paul for the second one. And we're having to purposely be a little bit quiet because Ken's quite close within the vicinity, but we don't want him to hear. So, third and final question. What's Ken's favourite mentalism premise? As in plot, that kind of thing, within mentalism. Oh, gosh. I think it would probably be a prediction of some sort if we're, if we're going, like, broad, broad premise. So, a, a, like a headline prediction or do you mean a prediction of... 
I think a prediction of, of someone's choice is almost like, again, that routine. Okay. That secretive routine. Um, I think that's I think that's what draws him probably the most. I'm trying to think of his of his book in Baron. There are a lot of really punchy predictions in there. I think that's what it is. Even even the stuff that he and I have created together that we haven't um, really shared. It's it's predictions. Predictions. I'm making a note of that. Right. So that's three questions asked, three answers given. So we will call Kennedy back into the room. Kennedy. Just like he was there, you know, it was like he was hiding behind the door. <laughs> I, mean, just I wonder if he gets three out of three. I was standing there, looking at him going, dee, 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 just like the The acoustics are really good in that bathroom, They're really aren't they? Cool. I, I know, like Michael Bublé. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I asked Atlas three questions. Um, and I had to apologise in advance because I didn't think the questions were that good. Although the second one was kind of cool. Okay. It was a bit unusual. We've got three answers. Uh, I've got them written down okay, here. Okay. Um, and there was, a, there was almost a discrepancy, so we had to get some clarification on one of those. But there could potentially be two answers for one, but we've settled on one, so we know whether we'll be able to get the point or not. I'm excited. But okay. we want to know the answer in case it's not that. Okay. okay? So, first question was... Where have I put the bloody questions? <laughs> oh, you've told me. No, no, no. There he is. There he is. There he is. So, the first question was, yeah. um, what's Ken's favourite routine that he himself created? My favourite routine that me and myself have created. And this is the one that we had two potential answers, um, but we had to settle on one. It was, it was me essentially saying, depends on how honest Ken wants to be with the listeners. Oh, really? And I think that's, that's as close as we can get in terms of yeah, giving you clues. My favourite thing that I've invented, um, I'm really proud of Theodore Cassidy walking to a bar in Austin because it was something that I was so surprised that I created. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, I'm really surprised. <laughs> Just like, damn, I came up with that shit. What the <laughs> exactly. Um, so there was that, but um, I'm really proud of Simplicity of Whisper. I don't like to talk about things that are out of print because I don't think it's fair, uh, usually, because we all are like, oh, how do I get a hold of it? And you just can't. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I'm really, uh, really super-duper proud of. Um, oh, E1 is, again, far cleverer than I should... You know, I thought this I is, this is, you're going to have to get a decision because this is commercial time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, uh, this, is not, this is not say your favourite routines and look at Atlas for reactions. No, this it's, is- not the, it's not the favourite routine you've released. It's the favourite routine you've created. created. And that was the one that I... Okay. Well, I've got to say, I've now, I think I know what you've said. Oh. Because of the way you've re-stipulated the question, which I don't think is fair. Might, so, might not be, but I feel like um, it was... My favourite routine is a routine called Daydreamer, which has not and will not be released. But I wouldn't have said that unless you'd said that you've created, not so necessarily of, released. of the ones that you had released, which would you have said? I would then? probably have said Whisper. Ah, oh, see, okay. right. So I stipulated Ken's got a secret routine, and I stipulated that it was that one. And if he was being, you know, if he was being cagey, mm-hmm. but that is, I knew that that's your favorite. Yeah. Um. So I should get a point for it, but we'll we'll argue this at some point later. But the uh, then I said if you were going just release stuff, it would have to be Theo and Cassidy walking to a bar in Austin, which to be fair was the first one he said. But if you're saying whisper, then I don't think it's a point. I think that's not fair. Okay. So second, but I did know question. you well. That's the whole yeah, point. Absolutely. Of this. Is it, I, I is it? It's interesting. Question um, two. This was my favourite of the three questions. Just to clarify, I'm not a total loser. <laughs> this was my favourite question. Okay. If Ken was yeah. to be replaced on this podcast, 
who would he like to replace him? Oh, that's really good. It's a good question. That's isn't a it? really good. One. If I was going to be replaced on this podcast, I think what I supply here is um, talent and personality. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we might have to think outside the box with this answer. Then. Julian Cleric, no. Um, <laughs> hiya! Hiya! Ooh! Are you hearing me at the back? Oh, good, you're receiving me up the rear. Um, who would it be? I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> it's just a joke, it's okay. Um, who would I be replaced by on this podcast? I think, hopefully, you know, again, it'd have to be somebody who's working, who's doing it. Um, I think I'll tell you who I think would be really good to replace me please don't do it um, would be David Mead oh. the mentalist from Ireland that's David a good call excellent. very he's good call excellent. he's one of my favourite humans never mind mentalists he, he is he's one of my favourite people Mine on too. this planet David Mead is flat out one of the best guys I've met since I moved yeah. over here probably him uh, yes him him I'm assuming we didn't get a match nope. no no it's quite left the field that I went Mark Paul did you? Mm. Ah, there you go. Mark's, it was one of my best, my best friends, but I am. I, I, I thought it was a good call. I thought very you were going to say Mark very, Paul. Yeah, very good call. No, David Mead. I thought that was that was almost a point. Right. So hopefully. David Mead only. You know, Mark Paul. If David Mead's not available. Yeah. No, it's too late. I'm. I'm not confident that I'm going to get this last point. Okay. Was currently. I wasn't for any with you, points. To be fair, I okay. didn't think I was going to get the last one. Okay. okay. So third and final question was: What's Ken's favourite mentalism premise? By premise, we mean plot. So you mean like as in uh, you don't mean method like one ahead. You no, mean a, a like plot. a like a bank night. But obviously, I've just kind of given you a clue. As in that it's not, not that bank one. night. Okay, which okay. is fair um, enough. My favourite mentalism. That's a really good. It was one. it was a premise too, not plot. So there's a slight. I did say premise. premise. And then okay. Said plot what as would well. you, what's your personal mentalism pe- favourite plot or premise? Well, we know it's not pseudo psychometry. <laughs> <laughs> no. I need some thinking time. So you, right, you so, well, Luch has to answer it because it was his own question. Yeah, what's yours, Luch? My favourite premise. See, the whole Q and A thing. I really like that. Okay, I think that's lovely. But then again, does it come from mentalism? No, it comes from spirituality. So it's it's the whole other side of things. But it's a great. But it has been plot. adopted into yeah. mentalism. I mean, oh, you without could argue a doubt. that it is indeed a, a plot that now lives and dwells within the realm of mentalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but then when you when you see things like you know. John Edwards and things like that. It's essentially they're doing very, very no, similar kind right. of things, you're aren't right. they? Um, and people want to know about themselves. So it, it isn't mentalism exclusive. No, that's a good point. Okay, I think the problem I have is I'm not really that attached to any plot. Okay, um, I'm really not that. I'm not sort of besotted with any particular one. Um, I really like. I need to choose between these two. My, I, the two I've sort of whittled down to are some kind of amazing confabulation esque prediction. Boom. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> it was the you first thing the I, didn't, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize at that moment. Come on, what was the other thing? Or, um, or add a number, because I've done a lot but of both But they're both predictions. Those. Yeah, so it is predictions, um, but that's, I don't think that's specific enough, is it? That's what I said, because it was a premise. A premise. Okay, and that and, and, knowing, and knowing your body of work, I said, there's a lot of predictions. I, I'm a, I am a prediction-heavy person. The problem was, is he said, he said, I've got two things, and the first one is, yeah, and yeah. then he came no, straight I, out I with understand boom. the competitive I'll take of only half a point then, because mm-hmm. he kind of was in the realm, I think he can have half a point. Okay. And to be honest, I'm amazed I got this last one. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's so broad. I am prediction-heavy. I'm, I, I do a lot of predictions, I do a lot of influence-type stuff, whereas I don't, at the moment, in my release stuff, do a lot of mind-reading stuff. People haven't seen that from me yet, so I... I understand that. 
Okay, okay. so what's the score now? Uh, it's half a point for me, half a point... One and a half points for me. One and a half points for you, one and point one for point for Luch. That means... Round three. Who needs to leave the building? I need to leave the building. Get out. I'm going! So we recently had some sad news um, here at Three Mentalists. We found out that uh, our good friend Barry Richardson uh, has passed away this past week, uh, which was devastating to hear. Uh, I didn't even realise he was was ill. I think it was quite a a quick um, thing that we we sort of succumbed to. yeah, so what, what can you really say? I mean, Barry Richardson, massive um, massive thinker, really, really nice guy. Big influence for a lot of people. Yeah, his Theory to the Mind books are absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I remember um, a few years ago, actually, I think it was about five years ago, I was lecturing uh, for one of the Tabula Mentis events up at the University of Huddersfield, and Barry was there, he was doing a lecture. I just remember how gracious and generous the guy was, just a real, genuine, nice guy who had time for for everyone. His lecture was fantastic, and um, I had to follow. <laughs> I had to follow the lecture and thought, oh, crack, I'm not going to do too good here. But um, one of them, probably my warmest memory, was actually, it was my 4.8-minute lecture that I was doing. It was the, uh, that was the first time I had ever lectured on it. And about halfway through, there was just a, a round of applause f- coming from the audience as I was halfway through the lecture. And I looked up, and it was Barry on his own giving me a round of applause for a specific thing that he liked. Oh. And I thought it was really, really nice. You know, it was very humbling that a guy um, as, as kind and as generous and as clever as Barry uh, would do that. So uh, massive respect to, to Barry Richardson. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to cherish uh, my books and all my, my stuff that I've got from him. I, I'd still actually perform one of his routines as part of my parlour show. Uh, and I think it'd be nice if we, we spoke about... Um, Anything that Barry's done, any of the routines or his thinking that have inspired us, mm. and maybe do like a you know a best of Barry. What what, what yeah. do you like of Barry Richardson? So Ken, um, what's one of your fondest routines or thoughts that Barry's uh, come up with? Without a doubt, my, the best thing I've ever read of Barry's was uh, his routine, the Lazy Mentalist. I remember reading that, thinking, I can't even believe that this has been constructed and put together. And then I think a mutual friend of ours, Nick Einhorn, performed it. A oh, version of it on yeah, Foolers. Yeah, Foolers, yes he did. It just shows the true power of Richardson's thinking. Yeah. It absolutely annihilated two of the best me- uh, magic-, magic minds in-, in the world. Yeah, they had no clue, Penn did they? Teller had no, no clue. clue at all. So absolutely adored. Uh, for me, it's without a doubt. Lazy Mentalist, which I think is in Theatre of the Mind, the first book. It is. I, I love the story behind it as well, that because he'd been in right. uh, an accident. Was yeah. it a car accident or something? I think he had a neck brace on, he could barely something move. Like that, yeah. Severe limited mobility on stage, and he had to come up with a routine that <laughs> could fill the stage um, without him having to move and do, yeah. do anything. And, and the Lazy Mentalist. The Lazy not Mentalist. Like, not like the in pain and agony <laughs> Mentalist. Yeah, the paraplegic <laughs> Mentalist. It was literally, he, he came up with an absolute gem of a routine for that. So, yeah. Beautiful. What about you, Luke? What's Me? your favourite? Uh, well, I still perform it. It's his quartet. Which, is, which a, one again? It's a card memorisation routine. Yes. Not he has a few of them. He has like yes, the quasi-mental in fact, deck. We, we performed this together. Yes, we did. And actually, that's my favourite as well. Of his, because it, you, would, you read it, and you wouldn't think it gets the reactions that it does. But it, no, it does. Really, it it really builds does. and builds into such impossibility. Uh, and essentially, you're only creating the illusion that you know the, this deck, but really you're not. It's just, it's a really clever way of doing it. Essentially, you're knowing which card is with which person, and you have four people surrounding you. Oh, um, I do know the one you're talking about. Oh. It's like, 
It's like Castle's mem deck with four people, right? Yes. Yes. I remember him watching him doing it for the first time at that, that lecture at Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. And I think I turned to, um, I think it was Ian Dunford at the time, yeah. who sat next to me, and I said, this is the best version of this effect that I've ever seen. Yeah. And since then, I learned it, made up the deck, and I've been doing it since. I love it. Fantastic. Brilliant routine. And it's the same for you. Is it yeah. It's, it's great. Luch and I performed it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, was, that in itself was... Um, a unique adaptation. Yeah, but, a two-person um, version of it. Yeah. But it's still got great reactions. Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, thank you, Barry, uh, for all the memories and all the, the great stuff that you've left with us. We're going to miss you. Um, and all the best. Mentalism Taboo. Okay, so the scores of Taboo are currently uh, Luch, I am on six points. Yes. Ken, you are on... Zero. No, three. No, you're on three I'm points. On three. I'm on three. <laughs> and then Atlas is, is on, on three. three as well. So uh, to draw with you, we, we need to get three. three here, and that'll yep. be a two. Uh, it'll be a three-way tie. But if we get four, we tie Atlas and I, and we can fight it out in a bowl of Jello. Or we have something for that. We and do. We'll talk about we'll, that. We'll not talk, Let's we'll see if that situation it. comes up. All right. So we're going to go seconds. with sixty seconds. Oh my God, it's going to be horrendous. Starting from now. Um, so there's a really good peak on the Mark Paul lecture where there's a penguin on the front of it. Who's yeah, it yeah, dang, I can't remember. Uh, okay, Hector Chadwick has a book called... What's Hector Chadwick's book? He uh, just said it. I know what it's called. Oh, I just you, frowned. Oh, you it's are horrendous. I'm terrible. Okay, um, Funny John... John Archer? Yes, has... What's his whole thing about being a teacher, his DVD set? Oh, no idea. With it being about being a teacher? Yeah, yeah no idea. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, Okay. so Michael Murray released a thing, and it was about ESP card matchup r- routines, and it was a little booklet. Tattletail. No. Michael Murray's Tattletail. No, it was before that, when he created the, the Beyond ESP, what was the booklet that came with it? It might be the DVD as well. No idea. Some modalities, you ass. Okay, um, so the guy with the Widow's Peak and the really Mac- cool Mac- makeup, uh, he, uh, he had a, a, a DVD, which was about propless things. Oh, yeah. Sub- Stop! Are you joking me? Atlas. <laughs> okay, I'm, I may. Atlas. Max Maven, nothing. Yeah. Sub modalities. Yeah. I didn't gonna get the Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. He would know that as well because oh, that's where my Q and A comes from. Oh, okay. Educating Archer. Right. And the mental magic of Basil Basil Horowitz. Horowitz, I knew. See, right. They were all what you knew as well. Yeah, yeah. Every one of no, them. I agree. What's wrong with you? I threw He's it because broken. I don't want to do the tie break. <laughs> what an excuse. <laughs> oh, I mean. <laughs> so, Lutz is the winner. Lutz deserves to win today. Are you he kidding? Is, he has conclusively proven he's twice the man you and I are. Yeah, boy. And actually, episode six, six points. It's fitting. I was recently lecturing at the Magic Circle in London, which was a really great privilege to be an honour to be asked to do that. And something happened that really opened my eyes to the perspective that people, even within our own industry of mystery and entertainment, magicians and, and mentalists, have... Which, which it's really flipped my world upside down. Let me tell you the story. So I completed my lecture. It went down very well. The response was very good. And I got some really interesting questions which I'd never been asked before during the lecture. Really good fun. Um, I talked to some people after the lecture. Answered some questions. Great fun. Afterwards, I go to the bar. And I see a friend of mine. And he says, oh, I didn't make your lecture. I was like, okay. And he said, I don't really like uh, mentalism. 
Is or he mentors? really a friend of yours then? Well, I'm be- well this is a question. Isn't Sounds it? like every other friend Ken has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really like anybody. Hey, I don't like you. I don't like you. Hello. Uh, and he said, I don't really like mentalists, especially not the ones who are doing a basically a crap Darren Brown tribute act or something, mm. or words to that effect. And I said, well, first of all, I don't really understand because if you've never seen my act, you'll know that, first of all, it's nothing like Darren Brown. Well, there is a lot of... I mean, I saw Baron Drown do, um, do an act. It? Yeah, he was garbage. Was really he just good? drowned. Oh, did he? Yeah, in water. Yeah. And so what I got to thinking was... Why is it that some performers think it's okay to judge the other performers within our own industry? So, for example, by that same token, just because a mentalist, and maybe you're a mentalist who presents your mentalism as psychology, or maybe you present it as body language, doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing a Darren Brown ripoff. First of all, the simplest argument is people were doing it before Darren. Yes, he's got more famous and more successful than any other mentalist of all time. We know that. But by if that was the same by the same logic, that's like saying every close-up magician or every stage magician is being a version of a cheap version of Copperfield or a cheap version of uh, of Paul yeah. Daniels or anything like that. It's a completely flawed and ridiculous logic that we all need to question within ourselves and say, is that all this is? You could look at you know Colin McLeod's doing such a great job of doing the Sherlock Holmes style. Uh, of, of deduction type type material, but actually, when you watch Colin perform, even when I, I mean, I haven't seen a show for a while, but I saw him at Mindvention. He's nothing like Darren at all mm. because of his style, the type of humor he uses, even how he looks and how he dresses, entirely different. And similarly, you watch your material, Luch, and you allude to sometimes it's body language and sometimes it is just mind reading. And similarly with you, Atlas. For and so I think the learning from that is we're all a little bit too quick to judge. We can all be the kind of person who, who can get locked into that mentality of what are we actually trying to do? And so, I don't really know what the message is. What's my, what's my message? I'm just rambling in a circle here. Well, the, problem, the thing is, we're all in the same boat. Yes. Yeah? So why try and throw people overboard? I know it's a competition if it was a business side of things, but at the same time, we're all trying to do something yeah. within a related field. Yes. We're all trying to put our own spin on it. We're all trying to build something. So why are a lot of people very quick to, and I hate to say the word, but poo-poo others' acts? Yes. And it's, it's disrespectful because people put in a lot of work. There's a lot of passion involved with what we do. So why are we, I mean, is this a human trait? Do we do this within other fields? It's a I jealousy think we do. thing, I think, as yeah. well. Because if you also look at, you know, what this guy possibly earning compared to maybe what I'm earning because I know he's probably not doing as many gigs and certainly because he does only close-up he probably isn't able to command the fees that I get and I know as well that the psychological angle is much more acceptable to the marketplace i.e. corporates than saying I'm a psychic yeah and that's the reason so many people are very quick to jump on the Magic Cafe anywhere. When there's a discussion about mentalism, the presentation of mentalism, people are all so quick to say, oh, everyone's doing the psychological aspect. Well, maybe that's because that's what's commercial right now. You know, Mark Paul talked about that in his lecture. He says, I used to do, you know, I'm just magic, magic, magic. And then mentalism seemed like it was a good avenue and there was opportunity there. And, you know, and then uh, things slowed down for corporate for a bit. So then they worked cruise ships. Do you know what I mean? That is called business it is. He has to pay the bills. I've got to pay the bills. You've you got have to pay to the adapt. bills. 
you have, you to, have adapt. to move, and that's what it is. Look at what a lot of big brands have done. Look at even something like McDonald's. They ha- they got a massive bashing for their how unhealthy their stuff was. They did a tiny little thing, and they started adding things like wraps and salads and stuff. No, you don't think, oh, I really want a Mc- I really want a, a salad. Let's go to McDonald's. But, but they the adapted. They adapted yeah. to the marketplace on that. Mum, no. who is on a health kick, can go and take the kids for a treat at McDonald's, but she can have her salad still. We all adapt to the marketplace. That's what you've got to do. So someone is taking a look at what you're doing and poo-pooing on it, as Luke mm. said, because you're apparently another copy pa- copycat. Well, it's easy to copy. And actually, one of the things I think, and I may be misquoting here, but I think it was either Darren or Andy Nyman said, is we all, it was Darren, Darren Brown in his Penguin Live lecture, in his Penguin lecture said, we all begin with emulation. We almost all of us start by copying someone else and then we start to grow away from it and become ourselves. In that case, if you're now in that place, and I think there's a lot of people I've been speaking to recently who are saying, I'm really afraid that I'm just another one of those. You have to remember that that is natural and is normal so long as you are growing away from it and becoming yourself and using that as a platform on which to start. Yeah, I was going to say too, when we talk about the shifts and the adaptability, going from a mentalist to a magician or, or vice versa, that's a massive jump in presentational premise. Right. Um, so what, what would you say? Do you think you can do that and stay true to the persona you've created? Could Kennedy now go out there and be a magician? Right. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. And, and you could do it within your character and stay... Exactly. And, and I feel the same way with me. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is being adaptable and being flexible doesn't mean selling out. No. Or changing um, who you have created as, as your creation. I think in time, the biggest struggle I've had, I think we should all be conscious of, is creating the character and that being... Now what you have to realize is that your character is fundamental. I think we've talked about this either before on this podcast or I was being into, I've been interviewed a few times recently on different things. I talked about how once you find your character, you can apply any routines and material to it. Proof of that, let's go back to Darren. He produces a brand new show every second year with brand new tricks in it, brand new routines in it, but he's still Darren Brown. Hmm. So you are not defined by the routines you do. You are defined by your character, your presentation, the kind of humor you would use, maybe the things that you're going to wear, the type of angle you choose to present it from but you are not defined that you must not always do the tossed out deck for you to be your character that's not how this works no it's it's not you, like a catchphrase is it's it? not no. you can no. have a catchphrase as well yeah but it, it doesn't it doesn't define you in the no. same way as, as you, an, I mean, you, an actual uh, depth of character absolutely does. but you can just to, just to make sure it's a bigger <laughs> picture than that you could have a signature routine that you always do in every show. Devon hasn't chosen to go that angle, but it, it is possible that every show you do, so the way that I'm doing things at the moment, is I consider one of my particular routines as my signature thing. It's only an eight-minute piece, but I close every single show on it, because one, it's different every time it's done, and secondly, it's almost like a thing that the, I want the audience to feel like waiting for him to do it. I remember seeing a stand-up comedian called Lee Evans, who's a British stand-up yeah, comedian. I think a lot of people know him. I went to see him live at the, at the arena in Newcastle, in his big tour, and it took all big. We went in there, we watched all this brand new material. The show ended. Then he came back on again and said, I'm going to do it. And then he did one of his trademark routines, which is when he sings Bohemian Rhapsody and does all the mimes. And that's from 10 years beforehand. And it became his trademark. trademark It's the thing, everyone's sort of waiting for him to do it. 
That, and you can do that as well. It's, it's but a you're bit not of defined branding. By, yeah, but he's not defined branding, by... But he's not defined by the material. So he's, he's not built himself a cage. And, and again, I think the commitment to the character is important, which is part of why um, I do some propless things, because I work so hard to be credible mm-hmm. that I never want to be in a position where someone says, oh, do something for me, read my mind, and, and say, oh, I, I can't. Sorry, I haven't got you know, a pencil or, or a piece of paper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so I think you're right. It's that... Knowing who you are and then creating – I've often heard it said with books that you write, you create the characters and then you put them in – let them interact with each other the way that they would. And you put them in scenarios yeah. and you create tension and you create the um... – Well, the tension creates itself because the characters' interaction would, if you really know them, create itself. Create itself. Yeah, Absolutely. So what we're overall saying is focus on your character. Be true to that character and focus on growing that character so that no matter where your character is placed or what conditions it's placed under, you know how and you understand how that character will respond. And you can do that by creating a, a character synopsis, answering lots of detailed questions about how would this character respond under these conditions? How do they respond, for, how do they respond to joyful situations, negative situations, fearful situations, uh, mournful situations? And, and the more you can understand that character, how many times have you seen someone perform where they're so in a character and locked into it but don't understand it, so when something bad happens, they drop out of their character and they don't know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. And by having a depth of understanding of your character, you're going to be less likely to fall foul of that. Okay, Ken, this one is, should be a gimme, um, but it could also be technically a trick question and you might find out why later. Okay. What is Luch's favourite airplane? What? Sorry, this is this is my question. What is Luch's favorite airplane? Is it a paper airplane? Do you um, do you really want me to log that as your guess? His favorite airplane. Yeah. Are you? Is this for real? It's nothing to do with mentalism. Doesn't have to be. Last time you asked me oh if he was a God. Muppet or a Sesame Street character. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, yeah, he is a Muppet. That's a different story. Um, his favorite airplane. I don't know anything about airplanes. Um. Uh, seven forty-seven. That's only one I've ever heard of. I don't okay. know. So we'll we'll go that as that's. It's not going to be the answer, but okay. Second question, and we can we can bleep this out. So feel free to talk freely. Um, but the second question is: Who would Luch most like to punch in the throat? <laughs> oh, no, really. Who would he most like to punch in the throat? Um, he doesn't like anybody, so uh, I'm surprised we're <laughs> even in the same room as him, because he hates us too. Um, no, this is a setup, and Luch will just say nobody. Okay. If Luch could date a video game character... What? Who would it be? Uh, the only one I know is Lara Croft. So you've asked me about things I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the answers either. This is the only way I figured. You're such an ass. Oh my god. By the way, I think you're wrong. I think it's Miss Pac-Man, but we'll see. Oh, is that what you think? I think he could be a leg man, so it could be Miss Pac-Man. Okay, all right. Shall we call him back in? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, Luch! Cooey! You're not going to believe the ridiculousness of these questions. They were epic, and I'm in it to win it this time. Because <laughs> you yeah. have a half a point. I have a point and a half. He's got one point. All I have to do is just keep you both from scoring. And he'll so. still win. I have a point and a half. Oh. I'm in the lead right now. Doomed. I'm in the driver's we're seat. We're, we're doomed. We're dumped. We're done. Okay, here on. we go. Pretty straightforward, easy one. Oh. 
What is Luch's favorite airplane? Well, it was supposed to be mental. No, apparently because I asked about what kind of Muppet you would be last time. Oh, you? right. Well, it's it, the Blackbird. It's our 71 Blackbird. Uh, I've never even heard of that. Ken went for the 747. <laughs> <laughs> we only want one of those to get to go yeah. and see the Blackbird in well, April. Well, that's the only plane I've heard of. <laughs> okay, this one, again, the stipulation is speak freely. I can edit and bleep this out. But who would Luch most like to punch in the throat? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say this. Oh. I'll edit it. You Don't edit worry. It okay. It's just going to be a bleep. Um, oh God, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a match. I would love it if there's just a list of bleeps that are on your list, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all clearly different. And then you said on one. one. Um, it's a retarded question. Just think how well Ken knows. Makes you hear the next one. Um, no, no one. I would not like to hit anyone. That's your answer. And you are now the winner. Congratulations. Yay, I have tied with So well done, Luch. You are, Last question. See you are the owner. Let's see if, you can, if, see if you can bury us. Stupidity. <laughs> this is a great question. I don't know what your problem Bullshit. is. Bullshit. If Luch could Wait. date a video game character, who would it be? <laughs> what? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> it could be... It could be it could be Mega Man. It could be King Koopa. Let's think. King Kong. Print the princess from Mario. She's, she's, she's pretty fit. Yeah. See, I would have got this one. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Um, Resident Evil. Jill Valentine. Remember the very first Resident Evil? No, yeah, yeah. She was. She was fine. Um, wow. I can't think of any it's, other. It's so it's either a short pixelated princess, <laughs> or <laughs> or hmm, who's. Uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. Yeah, Mike Tyson. <laughs> I'm trying to think of video games because I, I used I used to play video games quite a lot when I was younger, and it was like Nintendo, then went into PlayStation and things like that. And I'm trying to think of female ones. Where does Miss Pac-Man rank on your list? Yeah. I would see. I missed the whole Pac-Man thing. I was never yeah, into that same. as a kid. I was more like when when Nintendo, the original NES dropped. That's when I started. See, I miss out on the NES. I did the, did sorry, I did call the original. NES over here. We call it NES in the states. Oh, we call it NES. NES. I had the original NES, and then the and SNES. SNES. I yeah. didn't have the SNES. I, I had the SNES, right. and I loved it. SNES was. Was there one in Zelda? Was there a character in Zelda? Yeah, there was. Yeah, her name is Zelda. Oh right, there you go. <laughs> it was it, it, clearly, it's not. Yeah, that I one. thought he was a hot boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> His elfin features fooled you. <laughs> what do you think I said? Away so far, this doesn't matter. But come on, he's really pondering this. The boys I'm struggling to actually think of, of any, any female character apart from Princess from Bloody Mario. Um, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. Is that, that face? No, that count. Does, that does not count. <laughs> Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. Damn it. <laughs> 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 but I'll be you see I think you might have thought they were stupid questions but it turned out you quite enjoyed them didn't you guys <laughs> I can't believe you pulled two out of three I can't believe that that stupidity I honestly cannot think of any other female like characters in, in video games. games that's yeah. actually quite sad when you think of it like that it is, yeah, yeah. Should be more. Oh. So, so there's a lesson that we're all learning about society and repression here <laughs> the video game industry is very sexist 
All right, so that's the. Uh, I, I, I would have expected Luke to be like that one hooker from uh, <laughs> GTA. Uh, <that> <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hooker number two eight seven. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the Mentalism Game Show, and Luch is the reigning champion! Commandingly so. Boom! And there we go, it's another wrap at the end of it. Yet another three mentalists walked into a podcast, podcast, podcast. This was actually my least favourite one. I didn't enjoy this in the slightest. I think I might actually quit. He says that every time. It's shit. uh, He was supposed to say that every time from the start. Okay, he, well, he was perpetually it. supposed say to be it. threatening to say leave. It. But he's only just now remembered the gag. Aww. I quit. It's shit. Thanks Get for over listening. it. Thanks for listening. Please remember to go over to our Facebook page at Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast. We want to know, actually, what we'd really like to know is, personally, from you, either tweet it to us at number 3 or at, sorry, at Three Mentalists, <laughs> and uh, also on the Facebook page. Let us know if you could have invented any one mentalism plot, routine, or method. What do you personally wish you'd invented? That'd be really lovely to hear, wouldn't it? And, and send in your questions as well. I feel like some of the strongest segments in this podcast mm. were because of your questions. So let us know what's on your mind ask away yeah please uh, you can you can tweet those questions at three mentalists on twitter or you can go on the three mentalists facebook page or you can even comment on the actual three mentalists website underneath that's it we've done it again thank you very much enjoy we'll see you uh, after christmas have a great christmas everybody Thank you for listening to the Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast. You can interact with us at 3mentalists.com. 47, 73, 72, hike! Delay of game.